From Yahoo Finance, this is Ballots and Dollars, a podcast about the politics that affect your pocketbook. I'm Rick Newman. And I'm Alexis Christophorus. And today we are talking about the trade war risks for President Trump's re-election campaign. And Rick, we know that farmers and manufacturers have been Trump's base, and they make up a large share of the economy in key battleground states. I know that you actually came today with some really uh, cool information about which states may actually not go Trump in 2020. The farm and factory vote. And that's yeah. what we're talking about here. Uh, this is some analysis published by uh, Larry Sabato's Center for Politics at the University of Virginia, great source of uh, political information and intelligence. So he um, is publishing some information by a guy named Lewis Jacobson, and he's looking at uh, the farm and factory vote in some of the key swing states. And I, there are some a few interesting uh, points here. Now, he got data from uh, 2017 to 2018 on the uh, – farm economy? Is farm uh, production up or down in uh, some of these states? And in most of these key states, um, farm production is actually down. So that's obviously a bad thing. And the ones that matter, the swing states that matter here, um, I'll just tick off a few. Uh, Minnesota, Ohio, Iowa, North Carolina, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Those are all states that Trump won in 2016, and they basically have a shrinking agricultural sector. So the the agriculture sector in all of those states actually shrank, um, probably because of the trade war in 2018. Now, again, this data only goes through the end of 2018, and the trade war, of course, is uh, has actually intensified. We now have. Um, more tariffs in place than we had at the end of 2018, which means more restrictions on exports of U.S. farm products to China, mostly. Because these are retaliatory um, tariffs yes, that they're now right. being faced yep. with. Uh, so probably these numbers are worse. And you certainly are hearing a lot of anecdotal reports from farmers saying, you know, we haven't we lost our soybean market in China. We haven't been able to sell there. Um, so the question is, are these uh, I think there are two questions, really. Is this going to turn around by the time of the election in 2020, roughly a year from now? Um, and it has to turn around before November of 2020. It has to turn around, you know, so that they can see a material <coughs> effect, yeah, right? Yeah, right. over time. So it will have to turn around pretty quickly. And then the other question is, will voters in these states hold Trump responsible? Will they actually um, vote for somebody else because they're dissatisfied with what has happened to the farm economy. Or I'm going to throw another one in there. Are they willing to accept the near-term pain for the long-term that, gain? That's, and, that's, and I have heard a number of his supporters come out and say, yeah, these are not easy decisions to make. But if you look at what happened under Obama and under mm-hmm. uh, Clinton uh, and even under Bush, no one took the stand the way Trump is against China. It's about high time we did. And we know we're hurting for it in the short term, but we're willing to give that up. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about who is supposed to be helped and who is supposed to be uh, who is um, just kind of the the sort of unintended victim here. Mm. So Trump's trade policy, mostly with regard to China, is supposed to help U.S. manufacturers. That is supposed to bring more jobs back to the United States. I don't think Trump ever said I'm doing this to help farmers because farmers already had a good market in China. So farmers um, really don't stand to gain anything from the trade war except to go back to the way it was before the trade war essentially um, limited and in some cases closed what's an important foreign market for them. I mean, a huge market if you sell soybeans or so pork. So if I'm a farmer, do I feel like a pawn in this whole trade war That's a big fight? question. And you certainly, you know, we've had, we've interviewed some farmers 
and um, people who run farm bureaus uh, in different um, states and counties. Um, and, you know, they, they, they tend to be sort of understated people. Um, you know, they're not hair on fire people to start with. Right. But yes, they've definitely been saying we are hurting from this. Um, now, Trump has done these farm bailouts. Um, I think it's $28 billion so far in um, 2018 and 2019. And that is helping. But farmers generally say we don't want to bail out. We just want uh, to be able to uh, sell into our markets. And the problem with the bailout in lieu of foreign sales is if you lose the foreign market, uh, you don't just necessarily lose it for a year. You might lose it forever. Um, so they could go elsewhere and yeah. find somebody else to uh, supply so the, them. So the other portion here is the manufacturing economy. And in those eight states we were talking about, uh, manufacturing has held up better. But there's a lag in this data. So again, the data he's looking at, uh, which goes through the end of 20, 2018, in some cases into the first quarter of 2019, Manufacturing looks better in these states, but since in the last six months, we've had a notable downturn in manufacturing. So um, so manufacturing is worse than this um, paper actually shows you. And this because, paper shows pretty bad. I mean, yeah. Nevada, manufacturing percentage change, 2017, 2018, 19.2%. Mm -hmm. And actually, Clinton, we should so that's good. mention. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. But now if you look at 2018, the end of 2018 to the first quarter of 2019, Annualized change in manufacturing, 7.3%. Right. So a drop off, that's a drop off in the growth rate, and that's in Nevada. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I don't think Nevada is considered a swing state. I think no. that's pretty reliably and Clinton, blue. Clinton, yeah, did, did take Nevada last time. But, um, you know, the other uh, manufacturing states here, I mean, Pennsylvania, obviously a very important one. Michigan, obviously, Wisconsin. Um, slowing growth rates, and that was uh, back in the first quarter of 2019. We have seen a the, we've seen a big downturn. We, we're at the manufacturing sector is actually contracting. It's in a recession. Right so there, that it's is basically the definition of a recession mm -hmm. in that part of the economy. And again, this this tells you how important the outcome of the trade war is for Trump's reelection because um, both of these factors are directly related to the tariffs he has put on Chinese imports and the retaliatory uh, measures that the Chinese have imposed on American exports to China and. You could argue that um, this very important – I mean, this is this is literally the swing vote. Right. Well, I mean, if you take a look at um, the three narrowly divided states in the last race, it was, it was Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Yep. They do have a disproportionate amount of manufacturing going on in those states yep. compared to the national average. Right. That's right. And, and I think and, that tells you why they're swing states. Right. Because uh, they're going to swing one way or the other based on – um, uh, how well that a very important part of the economy is doing. And that is a part of the economy that is um, vulnerable to recession. Um, and it's also a part of the economy where there's been a lot of wrenching change. So um, what I find interesting, and I keep going back to this, so Morning Consult is a polling uh, firm. And they've been doing, they've been doing uh, tracking Trump's approval state by state um, throughout his presidency. And in a lot of these states we're talking about, um, Trump's uh, net approval rating is negative, which means more people disapprove of him than approve of him, which is what his um, – Are there any surprises in that list for you? Because, I mean, uh, some you just know they're going to be. I think it's – What is – I want to know what Iowa – because they so are, they're most yeah. dependent on manufacturing and farming when you look at it versus farming the rest of the country. Farming is huge, obviously. Right. So what so – how Trump's, does Iowa feel about Trump? So he has a net approval of uh, minus 14 percent. So that's the gap – 
between, so I don't know what the actual numbers are, but if you had a 54% disapproval and 40% approval, that would be a net 14. Um, that's big. Iowa voted for Trump. So right. these are all states that voted for Trump in 2016. So he's minus 14 in Iowa, minus 11 in Minnesota, which he won, minus 11 in Wisconsin, which was the big surprise. Um, Ohio is actually where he's doing best. He's minus five. Uh, Pennsylvania, minus eight. Uh, North Carolina is another one, minus three. He won that. Hmm. Um, so he's even a little bit underwater in North Carolina. Where is so, he not underwater? And are any of those states necessarily surprising to you, Rick? Uh, he's not underwater in all uh, in the more um, rural states. I mean, that's where he, you know, that's those are the those are the red states, no matter who the candidate is. But Texas, I mean, so Texas, he's net two. He's positive two. That doesn't seem like a lot, does right. it? Uh, I'm trying to think. What would be like, the, what's the most red state? Like Mississippi? Uh, his net approval is t- positive 21. That's okay. pretty big. Alabama, 22. Uh, but here, look, Georgia only net uh, by one. Florida's hmm. another one, and he's minus two in Florida. Now, I mean, a lot of this— By um, the way, Georgia actually saw an agricultural percentage change on the plus side for at least 2017, 2018. And, uh, so probably that's because uh, just the farm economy there is not sensitive to the these particular not exports. Not as sensitive, right. It's, right. The, it's the exports— that matter and where they go. Right. So I guess the question, the larger question is, is this really, are these about cultural issues? Because everything we're saying here seems pretty anecdotal, yeah. right? But are there cultural issues that are going to outweigh things for for Trump's base as they head into the polls to vote? You know, yeah. are, are they solidly going to be Republican no matter what happens? Yeah. So that's a key question raised by this paper. And again, this is published at the uh, Center for Politics at the University of Virginia. Uh, So they did some analysis of the data relating to all these states. And then uh, the author of this paper went and asked some people in these states, you know, who who track voters, do you see that there's a real break away from Trump because these economic factors are not working in his favor? They're actually working against him. And the answer generally was no, we don't see that yet. It certainly could happen. Mm -hmm. But for the moment, um, cultural factors are more important to these voters than economic factors. And cultural factors are largely um, immigration. I mean, that's that's a, a big issue for 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 certain voters, and especially for Trump voters. I suppose probably Would abortion, you put gun control under there. Too? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there are uh, cultural issues. Yeah, um, and they like Trump on those issues. But I think that the worse the economic pain gets, I think the more the economy matters. And I, there certainly is a point at which you might say. Um, I like the guy because of where he stands on social issues. But come on, the economy here is going down the drain. We need somebody Mm -hmm. else. I think the economy always is the um, top thing when the economy is weak. You're right. When it's going great, we sort of tend not to think about it. Yeah, you say don't don't mess with what's working. Uh, Don't break what's working. And then you're more likely to vote on cultural or social But if it gets to that point, you have to wonder if Trump's just going to cable. Look, we don't know where we're at the time of this podcast now. We've got the phase one trial of this trade war proposal on the table that both sides seem to be saying they're going to sign. Uh, That's still yet to be seen. But anything can happen between now and November of next year. So if the economy really does turn south, especially for Trump's base, does Trump just cave to a, to a, to a, it's a 
It's a great question. To, inf- to an inferior deal by China. I, I, it, I have so, to think that's what China's banking on. The, the reason I think this I, this study interests me so much is because it, it basically draws a direct line between the trade war, which seems abstract to, pe- to most people. I mean, you know, a, a new tariff of 10 percent goes into effect on some class of products. Nobody knows, well, do I buy that product or is that somebody else? And that Does really matter? hasn't happened in a large way yet for us as American consumers. Well, the, the tariffs are have happened in a large way. They have what has not happened is I think what you're saying is that has that has not led to large higher prices, prices for you price and me yet for, at the for, store. For, for they will, I guess, if those December 15th tariffs go into effect. Right. right. So this is why this is all happening. Right. I mean, this is all important stuff but happening hitting, in real time. It's, it's hitting and hurting right now the folks who actually meant the most to him getting elected in 2016 and that he needs yeah. to secure to keep the White House in 2020. So, um, so you, so you, I think you're right when you say most consumers have not seen price hikes. But we just talked about the slowdown in manufacturing. That is partly related to the trade war because I think it's in at least two ways, because manufacturers are paying more for the supplies uh, that go into the stuff they build. So those manufacturers are taking a hit. And for the most part, they're taking it out of profits. So they can't really raise their prices. We've learned this. Um, People really are not willing to pay more. So manufacturers are – their profitability is they're going squeezed. down. They're squeezed. And, uh, and their outlook is dimming. So they're looking around like, when is this trade war going to end? And so they're – a lot in the manufacturing sector, they're just investing less in new, new facilities, new equipment, new hires. Um, we've seen employment has basically stagnated in, uh, in manufacturing now. So the, the trade war is having a direct effect on these voters who are going to decide whether to give Trump another term in office. And at least for now, anecdotally again, it looks as though they're standing by their man. But mm-hmm. again, there's a lot can happen in really the next year. And, the, and obviously one of the most important things that's going to happen is we will actually have a Democratic nominee uh, when people go to vote. So Trump's approval rating, when we're talking about these statewide approval ratings, that's just based on Trump and Trump alone. It's not based on Trump versus Joe Biden or Trump versus Elizabeth Warren. And, and how much of an ability that person right. has to truly beat and unseat yeah. President Trump. So this will all look different when we know who the uh, Democratic nominee is and what message that person takes to these voters, if anything. Mm-hmm. And one thing I think Trump has going for him here is Democrats are actually very bad at talking to rural voters. Uh, and they seem to have kind of lost their way with manufacturing workers as well. I mean, these are the people who put Trump over the top in 2016 because they thought um, Hillary Clinton's not listening to us. She's just giving us slogans and bromides. Uh, Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton famously did not even go to Wisconsin. She thought, oh, I have this in the bag. She was wrong. Uh, they lost her. I interviewed uh, Montana Governor Steve Bullock uh, recently. Now, he's a Democrat running for president. Most people probably don't know that he's running for president. Right. It's such a <laughs> Not one of the field. more you prominent really uh, candidates. Right. He's a very thoughtful guy. And um, he's a Democratic governor of a Republican state, Montana. So Montana um, went for Trump in 2016. I think Trump had 56 percent of the vote there. That's a pretty solid margin. But they also at the same time elected this guy as a Democrat. And I asked him about uh, how do have Democrats just lost all rural voters? I mean, can, is, Clearly is, is there just hasn't. no way rural voters will ever vote for a Democrat? Like what? How did this happen? He said, well, part of the problem is Democrats just stopped showing up. Mm. Um, so you mean like visiting, truly just physically showing visiting up, these Literally states. showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that's how he got he got elected and then he got reelected by going all around M- Montana. I mean, so 
you know, a Democratic presidential candidate is not going to go all around Montana, but showing up in the state couldn't hurt. And he taught he actually talked about Obama. I think it was Obama's reelection in 20, which would have been 2012. And he said Obama knew, was never going to win Montana, but he did show up. Mm. And um, unlike Clinton, who just said gave yes, up on right. certain states. And um, uh, Obama showing up in Montana that gets around to rural voters elsewhere. Um, you know, it's not, and it also is a matter of how good is the campaign of actually, you know, here's our guy in Montana. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he knows they're not going to, the state won't go for him, but he cares about Montanans anyway. And here he is out at some, you know, little league ballpark or something. Um, so Democrats, you know, they can't just say, we're going to, we hope this all hinges on, you know, one of the sort of cliches of the campaign so far is it's all about uh, women in the suburbs who maybe uh, went for Trump by some margin and are now going to flip back to Democrats. That's what you're hearing everybody talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to get some rural voters also. Which state, when you look at all of, of this data that we've, we've flushed out um, during this podcast, is there one state in particular that is really on the edge, quite precarious, that Trump really would need but may look like it's going the other way and it, we're still 12 months out? Yeah, uh, I think you can point to a couple. Um, it, uh, you know, for decades, the uh, old slogan was, uh, as goes Ohio, so goes the nation. Right. So, um, But I, I, Ohio has gotten a little more conservative. I'm not, I'm not sure it is the like the benchmark swing state anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's I think it's possible that the Democrat could lose Ohio, but uh, still win the election. But in order to do that, I mean, Pennsylvania, really important. Uh, and Pennsylvania's, uh, you know, some of these, by the way, not every state is either an urban state or a farm state. That's, I mean, they're a little know, bit of both. Pennsylvania's <laughs> yeah, yeah, a great example of that. Most states actually have some mix of both. Sure. Uh, Pennsylvania has um, Philadelphia, actually a big city, and my hometown, Pittsburgh. But in between, tons uh, of farmland. Yes, you and the Steelers, right? <laughs> yeah, me and the Steelers, right. except this year. I have, a beef, I have a beef with them this year because they, they're uh, underperforming badly. Well, I, I've got a beef with my New York Giants, but that's We're for even. An, another We're podcast even. at another time. So, uh, Ohio may be less of a swing state than it used to be, but maybe Pennsylvania is where the action is. I mean, Democrats have to win back Wisconsin. Now, mm-hmm. that's a big dairy state um, uh, and I think also some soybean farming set sensitive to the China problem. Sure. Uh, they have to win uh, Michigan. Um, and uh, I guess that Democrats probably don't have to win Iowa. But if you don't get Iowa, then you have to get New – you got to get North Carolina and Florida. There's also talk about the Democrats possibly being able to win – you won't believe this – Texas. Ah, got to so see where, it to believe where, it, uh, I can't remember if I mentioned this before, but where Trump's approval is just is just a positive by two points. I mean that really – that seems quite precarious. Now, this one totally depends on the nominee. The Democratic nominee, for sure. That's right. Because Elizabeth Warren wants to ban fracking. Right. Okay? (laughs) And if she's the the nominee, (laughs) kiss Texas goodbye. There's no chance. Yeah. Um, But could Joe Biden do it? You know, one-third to a one-fourth chance. Now, it is a super long shot, but you don't normally see this when you deal with an incumbent. Trump is actually going to have some people run against him. For the for the nomination, isn't oh, he? On, yes, he in does. his party. They're known you as actually the, spoke to one of them. Yeah, recently. they're known as the Three Stooges. <laughs> right. And I Goodness. think they even refer to themselves this way. Uh-huh. Uh, that is Bill Weld, who was the governor of Massachusetts sure. in the uh, 1990s. And then Mark Sanford, who's a, a member of the House of Representatives, and Joe Walsh, a former member of Congress. Um, Bill Weld is socially – he's a centrist. Uh, he's socially liberal, but he's a Republican because he's fiscally conservative. And he's a, a sensible kind of like business-friendly guy. 
Um, and then uh, Sanford um, might have had a better chance had he not had that weird setback where he disappeared with his girlfriend uh, in South America and said he was hiking on the Appalachian Trail. Well, that's never uh, good. He, so he kind of became damaged goods. And Joe Walsh is just a bomb thrower. Um, so these are all lo- obviously long shot uh, candidates. Right. But the um, this picture would change if Trump were not the nominee, and it's not 100 percent sure he will be the nominee, given what's going on with the impeachment process. He is uh, probably going to be impeached. The House is probably going to impeach him, and the Senate probably then will not convict him. So um, Trump probably will remain in office. But this whole thing has been so unpredictable. Um, there is some chance that even though they would never say this publicly until it was a fait accompli, there is some chance that there could be uh, 20 Republican senators who vote to convict Trump and therefore boot him from office. It's possible. Wow. Well, a lot. We're going to get a lot of Not clarity, likely, a lot of clarity possible. as we move closer to the November elections. I think we're all yearning for that. I want to thank everybody for listening to Ballads and Dollars from Yahoo Finance this week. You can always follow us on Twitter. I'm at Alexis TV News. I'm at Rick J. Newman. All right. We'll be back next week with a fresh podcast for you. In the meantime, be sure to rate and review what you just heard. Bye, y'all.